Hello, welcome to Fan Fiction is Good Actually, a podcast about how fan fiction is good actually. I'm Evan. Guest, could you please tell everyone how you would like to be known and where you would like to be found and all about yourself as it pertains to this audience? <laughs> okay, sure. So uh, my name is M. Uh, I'm also known as Red. Um, I am a administrator at a pharmaceutical company by day, and I'm also a queer Star Wars content creator on YouTube uh, and and on podcasting platforms as well. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on Twitter at Hutzlea, H-U-T-T-S-L-E-I-A, and on Archive of Our Own at Red Rose White. Um, very bold of you to include your day job in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's anyone who would be interested in this podcast who would also be interested in, like, finding you to bother you, but you might be the first person who's been like, oh yeah, I have a real job, like an adult, you know? <laughs> hey, like, I gotta pay the bills somehow. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we are all slaves to capitalism this is true uh, so the reason i asked m to be on the podcast is because my partner andy is deep 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 in the star wars fandom the good parts generally speaking <laughs> they've uh certainly waded through some other parts but they they seem to have landed in the good part of the star <laughs> wars fandom and uh they said you are an expert, a deeply immersed expert on the topic of Raylo and the Raylo community and Star Wars in general, obviously. I know you you, you should share uh, info about the Star Wars podcast that you are involved in also. Yes. So every Friday at 1030 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, we stream live on YouTube. And our YouTube channel is Pink Milk Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Serving Pink Milk. It's a lot of fun. So we do the live stream on Fridays and then the audio comes out um, depending on what's happening with the podcasting empire because there's other shows that are affiliated with ours. So there's Pink Milk Husband and Husband, which is helmed by our, uh, our creator, um Brian and his husband Tom um and uh when they've uh recorded a, a show for the week um in like real life hasn't gotten in the way their audio comes out on Wednesdays and what what we call pink milk after dark uh which is the Friday show cuz we get a little racy <laughs> <laughs> um uh, that audio comes out on Mondays, but if uh, if there's no Wednesday show, then we just use the audio for After Dark for the Wednesday release. So cool, if cool, you cool. subscribe, yeah. no matter what, you're going to get something on a Wednesday. Uh, Andy's very into Pink Milk uh, as a uh, person in the good part of the Star Wars <laughs> fandom. So uh, my relationship to Star Wars, I will uh, disclose right up at the beginning. I like Star Wars very much. I am not in the Star Wars fandom because it's it's very much it's very much I actually a large part of the reason I'm not in the Star Wars fandom is because I do like Star Wars so um but as a consumer of fan fiction and a someone who exists in fan spaces generally speaking I've been peripherally aware of like the Raylo shipping community and sort of the uh like the public dog pile that has happened <laughs> on the Raylo shipping community. <laughs> and it's just like, as an outsider looking in, uh, I know that there's a lot going on there. So I was very interested to hear from someone about what that community is like and what's really going on and like why this group is from what I can tell. So very unfairly maligned in the grand scheme of of fandom groups. I mean, I have some theories as an outsider. <laughs> I have some like generalized theories about people not liking when other people like certain things, but I want to hear from you about how you got into like your, your whole journey to this point, how you got into this fandom community and what it's like and any interesting experiences that you've had on the inside track of the Raylo 
community? Oh, so many things. Okay. <laughs> so firstly, I mean, I think I can say that, I mean, obviously I can't speak for the entire Raylo community, um, but I, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with the ins and outs of um, a fairly large segment of it. Um, and there have been like schisms and dramas and there's probably like, sure. I would say there's like, I would say three, three or four different segments of the Raylo community. Um, and yeah, we can talk about that if you want to later. So <clears throat> what got me into this whole thing was, so I have liked Star Wars my whole life. I I saw Return of the Jedi when I was a small little kindergartner and it grabbed my attention immediately. And my mom, who was an outspoken feminist, loved that I loved Star Wars because she loved that there was a strong, capable woman who was a perfect shot. Um, <laughs> and so she really encouraged me to uh, engage with that, with the property. Um you know, and bought me toys and, you know, let me watch the movies. And we went to see the prequels when they first came out. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of like my Star Wars journey. And then it was just kind of like a nerdy thing that I liked sort of in the background for a long time. And then uh, I went to see the sequel trilogy and uh, it really started to creep up and grow on me a lot. I loved these characters. I loved revisiting the world of Star Wars and I loved everything that they were doing. All the inclusion and the representation and especially the really intense way that The Last Jedi was sort of made with a female gaze. It was very, very, I found it very engaging. But I wasn't really, I wouldn't have called myself a Raylo at that time. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw The Rise of Skywalker, it was like someone had snuck up behind me and hit me over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it did. JJ Abrams got you. <clears throat> it was like falling off a log. So yeah, I became like a full on railo shipper and um, I started writing. I actually, my, the first thing I ever wrote was a poem. It was like two o'clock in the morning and I wrote it in the notes app on my phone because I couldn't sleep. And then it was just kind of like being on a roller coaster, like it just gained momentum. And and now I have 25 works of fiction up, um, maybe a little bit more than that, up on AO3. And I have a handful of poems under my uh, Safe for Work account. So I, I, I do have a Safe for Work account called White Rose Red. Red Rose White is where I put all the spicy stuff. Mm. Um, and then <clears throat> And then with, you know, starting to post works i started getting engagement with people leaving comments and kudos and whatnot and that kind of was like a little trail of breadcrumbs i started engaging with the fandom on facebook and then someone told me uh, about a discord server that i joined and then from the discord server i realized that all the action was happening on twitter so i joined <laughs> Raylo twitter <laughs> Twitter was just... a mistake. There's, I don't mean I don't mean for you personally. I just mean Twitter's always a mistake. Mm. The invention of Twitter was a mistake. But anyway, well, here we are. You know what's funny is that actually I've had a Twitter account for a really long time. And I just I used to hate it. Like I hated engaging with it because I was so accustomed to things like message boards and Facebook where it's much like longer strings of text and you can sort of get deeper into ideas and Twitter felt kind of pointless to me. Um, but then I don't know what happened, but I just, when I started engaging with Raylo Twitter, I was like, Oh, this is fun. And now I'm just like doing it all day, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Except when you're earning that money. Well, yes. Yes. Um, so can you, you, you almost started to get into this like right at the beginning, but can you sort of characterize the, the Raylo community as you understand it, the ta- the, the taxonomic shape of what it looks like, like what are the, what are the main, uh, sort of, uh, I don't want to say factions cause that sounds adversarial, <laughs> but 
Sometimes it is. Yeah. As with all fandom communities, I guess, but like kind of what are the main uh, uh, schools of thought, I guess, in the, mm-hmm. the Raylo community uh, and what has your general experience been like interacting with other people? Is it a very harmonious community? Is it a particularly contentious community? What's going on in there? Um, yeah, it can be pretty tumultuous sometimes. So the main part of the Raylo community and the one that I'm the most engaged with are very, they're young, mostly cis women. Um, and, um, but a lot, a lot, a lot of queer people, very feminist, very pro-choice, very queer friendly. Um, one of the, one of the schisms though is between realists who are a bit more right wing. Like there were some, we had some Trump supporters. There was a Raylo who was accused of writing racist stereotypes into some of their fics. And so that's what caused one of the biggest fractures is we had basically a very prolific and popular writer who was exiled from the community and <clears throat> their fix are not allowed to be wrecked in certain groups. And like, you can't really mention their name in certain places. Um, but they do maintain a, um, they have a discord server where like all their minions live basically. <clears throat> so that's one of the major schisms that we had happen. And, you know, like um, there were, some people who, you know, just along political lines, you know, they couldn't, they felt like they, they felt alienated. Um, you know, someone sort of flounced from the community calling us horny commie Raylos. So. Yes, correct. We are communists and we are horny. So we made <laughs> pins that said oh, horny commie Raylo on them. <laughs> <clears throat> just to show that it didn't bother us. Um, and then and then you have the sort of uh, the groups that go along different lines of preferences for content. So you have Raylos who can't tolerate dark fic and th- those who do and who like appreciate it. And there's often conflict between those two groups. And then you have the Raylos who want devoted to see devoted shipping only, which means that the characters are only with each other and have only ever been with each other. And then you have people who uh, appreciate content where, you know, either character has previous experience um, or they're open to involving other people in their relationships and like being poly and whatnot. So those are sort of the main fault lines. I'm a little bit surprised personally that there's, uh, I mean, of course there are subgroups in any group, like, like I mentioned, but I'm surprised that there's uh, like a sizable group that doesn't want dark stuff in uh, a, <laughs> a ship that's inherently between like the protagonist and the antagonist of a film. Um, and especially like given that like the antagonist of the, this specific series of films, you know, was the, was involved in a, a government that did some bad shit. So, um, <laughs> no judgment. I mean, I get like people, people like what they like, but I'm just a little bit surprised that you would be, uh, attracted to this specific ship. If, uh, like kind of dark themes are not what you're interested in. I think you'd be surprised at how dark people can get. I like one mm. of the things that I feel distinguishes Raylo from other fandoms, especially when it comes to fan creations, that they're really into AUs. So okay. like they're willing to take these characters and put them in different settings and you know go outside of canon verse, do like a modern alternate universe and other things. Um this is so, making me Think of something that I wanted to to ask you about, but before we get in, before we get, I don't want to, I, I want to have a minute to talk about it. So I do want to ask before that, like what drew, like what specifically about the relationship between these two characters, like drew you in? 
it's hard to say because uh it happened like i said it happened to me so suddenly like it mm-hmm. just came over me that i was like oh man i love these two together um so throughout the watching the sequel trilogy i was always really invested in ben's arc because i am also a han leia shipper and i love them as a family and it really shook me uh watching the force awakens for the first time to see their family so broken and um yeah so throughout watching the sequel trilogy films i i identified really closely with ben and i always wanted to see him happy and i i wanted to see him take this emotional journey where he he was able to grow and to become the person that he was meant to be um and um i don't know it just it just felt like like i just love the idea of giving him a happy ending of being with this person and also the fact that i mean it's written into the text that like they have this connection you know like the forest bond scenes in in the last Jedi. And then like, you know, if you know something about star Wars, you understand like what a force bond is and you know that it's happened before and how it works. And then, you know, in rise of Skywalker, we're told that they're a dyad, which means that they're literally two halves of the same soul. So it's like, they're destined to be together, right? Like this is their fate. Um, And I just find that so compelling. Like it's just so romantic. (laughs) That is, it is classic romance stuff. That is, this is very classic, like, romance novel tropes. So it's not surprising that people, obviously it's not surprising because, like, it is functionally, I can't even say it's, it is canon. The reason I hesitate to say it's canon is because, like, it was confirmed and then immediately, spoiler, 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 spoiler. (laughs) um, (laughs) Immediately one of them died. (laughs) No, we did not get to see, like, that relationship sort of, like, taken to uh any kind of meaningful conclusion yeah um but yeah so it's obviously not surprising that people are attached to this ship but it is uh it's even more like blatant in this than in any previous star wars uh film like the sort of romance tropes that exist i guess Mm -hmm. it's very easy to like see the romance tropes that exist and like spin them off into something else so Exactly. Okay, we we can we can circle back around to the AUs because uh, I have only recently heard about this uh, this novel. Uh, uh, the oh my goodness, are you talking it? about the oh, love hypothesis? Love, love hypothesis. Yes, I'm only I'm only learning about this now. I'm only learning. It's uh, it's uh, another <laughs> like see, and again, I don't want to like disparage it by by saying this but like it's another 50 shades of gray situation from what i've heard that it was originally a fanfic and mm. it was rewritten into a uh, a published novel and yes. just kind of like names and things were changed okay what's what's your opinion on this how do you feel about it are you excited about it are yes i've ordered a copy okay. it's coming next week i love ali's work she's amazing the stuff she does is incredible and i think that I think that people, it's really easy to disparage fan fiction. It's really mm-hmm. easy to, I mean, like, look at the entire premise of the show. Like, fan fiction <laughs> is good, actually. You know, like, people who have a lot of skill at writing um, write fan fiction. And it can be this great experience to read and you know, engage with. So, uh, I just I, I just don't get why anyone would think this was a reason to be down on this book, you know, that's been reworked and changed into something original. Yeah, I, I have similar feelings, generally speaking, even about things that I don't particularly like. Like, I don't I don't have I don't like Fifty Shades of Grey. It's not it is not for me personally, but um get your money el james go for it like get turn that into hard dollar bills um (laughs) i have i have heard people make the argument it's not an argument that like i agree with necessarily but i've heard people make the argument that uh like publishing fan fiction uh for monetary gain 
uh, like sort of denigrates its value to some extent. It's like takes the fun out of it. How do you feel about that take? Well, I mean, I think that, um, I think that fan fiction is fan fiction and original, like, and other fiction is other fiction. Like, I mean, filing the work of filing the serial numbers off of fan fiction, as they say, is still work. You know, like, I, I honestly don't feel like Ali did any less work than any other romance author does when they write a romance novel. You know, like she had to think about how she was going to describe these characters, what their motivations were, what the plot points were going to be. You know, like it's just I I, I it, like I, I don't know what people think happens when fan fiction gets published. But like what happens is, you know, someone wrote something creative, you know, they played a bit in someone's sandbox and then they pull the work out of that sandbox and they do other things to it and then it gets published. It doesn't just get straight like yanked off of AO3 and then put on the page. You know what I mean? I would argue even if somebody did a whole ass find replace for the names and published it, um, like they still did all of the work of writing all of those words themselves. Yes, so, um, exactly. Um, I, I also like, I'm aware of what you're pointing out that like, uh, you you do have to retool something for commercial publication, generally speaking. I think uh, the, the, you could make the argument that something has been retooled more than something else. Like there's definitely varying degrees of uh, like change that go into something that's about to be published. But um, yeah, even if you change nothing at all, even if you wrote a fan fiction, literally did like find <laughs> replace for the names and printed it on paper. Uh, I don't think that's any less work than somebody yeah. who writes a novel uh, in a more traditional fashion. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is why I don't agree with that take, generally speaking, yeah. because. Um, and I've pointed this out before on previous episodes, but uh, I think people forget that novelists who draft in a more traditional way are still basing the people in their work on someone else in a lot of cases it's a real person you know you take this mannerisms from somebody you know you know you yeah. take uh like interesting bits of relationship drama from people you know in real life and you work that into your your fiction so the idea that the inspiration for your story is less valuable because it is inspired by fictional characters as opposed to like people you know in real life that kind of falls apart that is so true but so true yeah uh also like it's it's cool when you take inspiration from like famous uh literary characters uh you know like sherlock holmes or whatever if you mm -hmm. retell a sherlock holmes story that's prestigious because that has the veneer of time on it and it's yeah. cool now but yeah so true yeah <laughs> anyway um the reason the reason I tied this into that specific conversation is because the love hypothesis is is an AU, right? It's like a mod. Yes, it's like that's right. uh Okay, tell me about tell me what you know about it because like I said, I've only I've only just learned that this exists. I have heard people making a stink about it on Twitter in both a positive and a negative way. So, <laughs> like what who's who is the author? You clearly are familiar with them. Who's the author? Uh do you know anything about how this came about? Do you know anything about the setting? Have you read the fan fiction that it's based on? Yes. So, yeah. So the author is Allie Hazelwood. Um, originally, she was known as Ever So Allie on, on AO3. And then she changed it to Ever So Raylo when she published when she published The Love Hypothesis. She pulled it down off of AO3 prior to it being published. Um, and... Uh, there is evidence that her agent, her literary agent, is actually someone who looks for publishable work in fan fiction community. Yeah, I've heard rumors of this existing before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love Hypothesis was originally called Head Over Feet. Um, and it's, uh, Allie is a scientist, so she writes romances that take place in a STEM uh, environment so like in science labs 
And so it is a romance between, I believe, a student and a TA or a professor who start out as fake dating in order to get people off their back. So they pretend that they're together. They agree to boom, pretend boom, that classic, they're dating. Classic yes, fan fiction trip. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, very solidly built on <laughs> fan fiction traditions. And they end up falling in love with each other. And it's very sweet. I'm, I've been debating whether I want to like buy it and review it for this podcast because Andy and I are uh, reviewing uh, Trans Wizard Harriet Porber and the Bad Boy Paris Aurolophus. Yes. Uh, for in like, we're going to record that in like a few days. But uh, that's not exactly a fan fiction, but it is a transformative work. And we yeah. were like, okay, it's short. We can both read it and then we can both talk about it. And then when I heard uh, that this was coming out, I had a, a flash in my brain where I was like, I should read this book and, and talk about it with somebody, somebody on the podcast who knows about <laughs> Ray Lowe's stuff. But um, I haven't fully committed to that yet because it is quite long. I looked on Amazon. It's like almost 400 pages. And also I might not be the best person to talk about it because I don't ship Raylo. I'm not in the Raylo <laughs> community. So probably like my perspective on it is not going to be particularly valuable. But uh, if you once you've read it, if you want to come back on and talk about it, uh, we can make that happen. I would be I would interested to hear to. what you think. So I like I mentioned, the the Raylo community has been uh, really piled on by some I would I feel comfortable saying bad actors in the Star Wars community. I don't think all of them know that they're bad actors necessarily, but uh, a lot of people just really cannot stand these two characters and their relationship or whatever, whatever for uh, reasons that are ranging from like understandable to extremely not valid at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, have you been subject to that in any significant capacity can you talk about it do you have any theories about what is kind of driving that unusually strong reaction from the remainder of the like star wars fans i am very uh good at curating so i have kept mostly kept myself safe from being attacked um for being a Raylo. i mean i have gotten involved in some skirmishes peripherally <laughs> um and i will i will subtweet from time to time i have been known to do a subtweet um we're all we're all guilty of a subtweet yeah but i mean i have definitely borne witness to a lot of hostility and i feel like a lot of it is it's misogyny that's um masquerading as feminism mm -hmm. like you know <sighs> um yeah i mean a lot of people are very literal about the um about the the nature of the contact between kylo and ray you know when they first encounter each other you know i mean he does kidnap her let's be real <laughs> yeah i i would certainly i would certainly argue that there's uh like perfectly valid reasons to point out that like there's there's um there are elements of this relationship that are unhealthy that yes. do not get resolved like yes. that is I think that's a completely reasonable thing to point out. And I think that's a perfectly valid reason for like this ship just not being for you. Yes, um, absolutely. That, that is fully different from people like seeking out people who ship Raylo and like verbally abusing them or like posting their address or some crazy stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is because people uh, like they're, you can't deny that there are a lot of very powerful, um, like it's a lot of very powerful tropes that appeal specifically to women mm -hmm. in this ship. And so I feel like people see, like you said, bad actors, they see an opportunity to use this like a cudgel 
you know, and it gives and they have like the plausible deniability of being like, oh, well, you know, like it's it's inherently it's an inherently abusive ship. So like I can say, you know, whatever, you know, I can go and I can victimize these people that are into it because they're sick and they're whatever, you know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm sorry. I'm not being weird. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know this is um. so this was my perception of it that I mentioned, like as an outsider looking in as well. Because the relationship between uh, Ray and Kylo does have uh, a lot of dark elements in it, uh, there's definitely things about this relationship that would not fly in a real relationship between yep. real people who really exist. Um, because that is true, um, people who just do not want to allow women to enjoy things have that ammunition to fire at it exactly uh, yeah that's exactly so what that, i'm trying to say yeah that was my perception as well is that it's not um it's not actually about the ship at all it's no. not wanting women to enjoy things yeah it never is yeah. honestly it never is about the ship really it really isn't you know and i mean yeah. people get facetious and put sarcastic tweets all the time you know like when people are talking about how like abusive Relo is or whatever, people are like, Oh yeah, my dream date is to be thrown into a tree, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I have always made the argument that um, like fictional relationships do the same thing for people's brains that roller coasters do, mm, you know, like yes. you are in a situation that simulates danger uh, yes. That like simulates excitement that like would normally you would normally only get that kind of stimulation like preceding death. But also, you know that you're safe. Like, yeah. The, the roller coaster is fun because you know that this is not a real life or death situation. Exactly. Right? Um, and so like I have certainly shipped many a problematic thing in my life and i have certainly enjoyed many a problematic story element in my life mm -hmm. and um i think this is all part of human experience in the same way that like we we crave these situations where we can simulate danger but know that we are safe and i think that like i don't want to um minimize the the very real emotional impact that fiction has on individuals and on society, because I'm, I'm not saying that uh, it's not real and therefore it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is uh, it is uh, a simulation of a human experience in a controlled environment. So the, the things about the relationship that would be profoundly unhealthy in real life uh, are things that you can enjoy in a controlled environment where you know that no one is in fact being hurt. This is all like just a, a sandbox that we are playing in. Yes. In the words of Harrison Ford, it's fake and in space. <laughs> <laughs> a, a real common refrain I have to go back to it all the time is like, this this Star Wars is fun. Star Wars is supposed to be fun and for children. Like This is not specifically related to shipping yes. but like when people get like a little bit too intense about their star wars opinions you gotta just take a step back and be like this is a movie that is for fun why, do we, <laughs> why are we here if not to enjoy it guys that's right yeah but yeah like you said i mean it i do find that it, it kind of especially when you're talking to someone who's engaging with you in bad faith it can be really difficult to navigate because on the one hand yeah you can say like look this is safe this is a safe experience for people because it's fictional and it's not real but at the same time you know you kind of there's this desire to convey like how important it is to you mm -hmm. you know and it's like this you know you know shipping this uh pairing is an important part of my identity or you know or it, it it's it gives me something important to me or, you know, it helps me to uh, work through emotions and other things that I have. You know, it's like there's this desire to share that, like, the importance of of this property with other people. And when they're overly critical, 
it gets it can be really hurtful but then you know you try and leverage the whole it's fake it's not real and it feels like you're invalidating yourself you know yeah it's very especially on twitter where by the nature of the platform uh it is impossible to express complex ideas um it's very it's very challenging to assert that like both these things are true like it is not real but also it is important and i would have to argue that anybody who refuses to grasp that is doing it on purpose because yeah especially people who like star wars and get really intense about star wars like obviously you also know that the thing you like is not real but you're having really intense emotions about it right now mr star wars liker (laughs) (laughs) yeah and this is like i think I I hope. I mean, I granted, like I'm immersed in fiction all the time, and I know that like a lot of people just don't engage with media as much as I do. But I think everyone, I hope everyone in their life, to some extent, has an experience where they feel that like this is this is clearly not real, and I'm glad that it's not real. But boy, is it having an impact on me. I think that's a universal human experience to some extent. So, uh, that this is definitely another like element of acting in bad faith where you try to explain like no it's not real but yes you should still stop making fun of me about it and they just go off on the abuse thing again (laughs) yeah yeah and i think a lot i think another aspect of the criticism that comes with the real fandom is because of what happened with the last jedi because that is such an important text for Raylo shippers and like, and I, I talk about it all the time on Pink Milk. I leave little breadcrumbs about that all the time. Um, you know, like in our in our, our show where Chase and I were talking about Star Wars fashion, especially, and I, I, I did a breakdown of how Rey's costume in the Last Jedi shows her character development. Um, and a lot of the uh you know, criticism of that film or the fact that it kind of fell out of step with the tone of other Star Wars movies in the franchise, you know, that really irked a lot of people. And I think some people, there's a bit of sort of like a crossover between, you know, it's like they dislike The Last Jedi and it's real and that, but that is such an important text for Raylos. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they, they, it's like just another avenue for them to like hate on The Last Jedi. Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. Like they're like projecting their feelings of uh, dissatisfaction about um, Rise of Skywalker onto Raylo. No, the, the last, the last Jedi specifically. Oh, Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Because like that. I am sorry. There's so many contentious opinions about both of them that, frankly, it's I was true. like, "Oh, wait, no, no, no." <laughs> it's true. It's true. But yeah, um, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. The Last Jedi, like I said, I mean, I recognize that it is tonally very different from other Star Wars movies, and I, watching it, I anticipated that there was going to be a segment of the fandom that could not appreciate it, and in some, I was, yeah. I was genuinely surprised that there were people who didn't like it because I thought it was great. But um, eh, I think it depends on what you're looking for in a Star Wars movie. Like this, this is the thing is it's like if you're looking to have, you know, self insert heroism go unchallenged, it is not the movie for you. You know, it's a movie that questions everything. And so if you want to be spoon fed it's going to irritate you. What can I say? <laughs> and that's the T. That's the T. Um, yeah. So like, this is, it, I never, I never speak about Star Wars elsewhere, but we're on my podcast <laughs> and we are safe here. Um, yeah. My, my probably top three favorite uh, Star Wars is, is are Rogue One. Yep. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. and probably Empire Strikes Back. I mean, the, 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 like, you can't leave that out. Of, it, the, and the order of those three is arbitrary. It's yeah. not like the number one, number two. Like, yeah. those are my nebulous three. Um, and I think the reason that I liked 
Last Jedi so much is that uh, I I like status quo challenging movies. I don't like everything to be the same when I leave the movie that it was, especially when you've got a series going on this long. There's there's room to do some new stuff. We don't have yeah. to do the same stuff always all the time. There's room to do some new stuff. Yep. So I I thought it really embraced the idea of Star Wars, but also had some new things to say about Star Wars. So I I genuinely really liked it. And I was a little bit shocked to learn that there were people who did not like it. But I don't know. That's just me. Well, I mean, like I said, it's a very female gazy type of movie. Mm, I guess that's true. And I and like, you know, dude bros just aren't ready for that. <laughs> People don't like to let women enjoy things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Women aren't allowed to enjoy things. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm getting is that you've been like mostly insulated from the the controversy. Anybody? Uh, I don't like certainly don't uh, like bring up negative stories if you don't feel like it, but has there been anything truly egregious that you feel the need to call out? (sighs) Well, I mean, like I said, I've witnessed a lot of things and I mean, obviously the behavior of the fandom menace, like it just needs to be completely like, what's the word? Um, It needs to be like rebuked at every opportunity. Like they have that, uh, in my opinion, like that organization has like no legitimacy and no one should ever listen to them and they should have every platform taken away from them. There you go. (laughs) I said what I said. Get more teeth. No, well, I mean, like, there's nobody's. This is not a a big podcast, and also it's not a Star Wars podcast. So, um, you can you can say. Although you, I know that you have a podcast where you also say what you want to say about Star Wars, this is and true. that is extremely admirable of you. Because, like I said, I don't involve myself in Star Wars generally speaking, uh, because there's bad people out there involved in Star Wars, unfortunately. Well, you know, and I mean, we did get raided, like. In our last Pride Month episode, the Pink Milk live stream was raided. I didn't know about this. Um, so we that was back before we asked Chase to be part of. Actually, I think it was kind of like a trauma bonding experience that we asked Chase to join the show. So Pink Milk started out with three hosts. It was me, Brian, and Mark. And then during the summer, we asked Chase, who has their own YouTube channel called That Gay Jedi, where they make original content. Um, and, um, we asked them to be part of the live stream and we did get raided and that wasn't very fun, but we were able to shut it down quickly and we moved to a different URL and they didn't follow us. So we were able to finish the stream. And then after that, we asked Chase if they wanted to come and be part of the Pink Milk crew on a regular basis. So now they're our fourth host. So something good came out of it which i find very pink milky like (laughs) our whole thing is about community and building things and creativity and you know instead of tearing things down we like to build them up so i like to i feel like it's just very characteristic that you know having that negative experience you know inspired us to have our guest come and be part of our family permanently and continue to contribute their insights about star wars on our show you just grabbed your friend and ran out the door with them. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> found a new house to live in. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like we have had experiences like like I've had experiences like that as being part of Pink Milk, you know, and also in the podcasting community, you know, some some people, let's just say that some people are more friendly than others, you know, and sometimes there's a bit of infighting. But I, I like to think that we handle all of it with grace and aplomb. And like I said, like our whole attitude is about we're here to build things. You know, we build community. We support each other. You know, we have our motto. We are Star Wars fans. We support each other and we have fun. That's the blueprint, you know, shocking, shockingly novel concept, unfortunately. (laughs) You know, and and I mean, like I said, I mean, I I curate my Twitter because I want to continue enjoying being a Raylo like i I don't I don't want to feel like I'm being attacked all the time. You know, I want to enjoy all the wacky creativity that comes out of this community. Like, like if you go to my Twitter and you look at my pinned post, 
The pinned post on my Twitter is called Ruined by Raylo. <laughs> oh, I remember seeing that. Yeah. And it's just a list of links to incredibly creative fanfics where people have taken all kinds of different things and like sort of mashed them together with the Raylo dynamic. You know, we have gritty. <laughs> <laughs> we have, you know, uh, slugs and snails, a yew tree, pies, pizza, spaghetti. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the deal with the slugs is, but I love slugs. This I'm like the only person alive who who loves slugs. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, one of my friends wrote a fic where Ben is a wear slug. Wow. That's something. That, <laughs> when you said when you said there are a lot of AUs, I did not perceive how deep the AU well went. <laughs> it goes very, very deep. <laughs> a wear slug. I want to be a wear slug. <laughs> just a little guy i'm just trying my best mm -hmm. uh, um so i've uh sort of trapped you talking about Raylo stuff for like the last 45 minutes is there any other fandoms that you uh are passionate about that you want to give a little shout out to any other stuff on your sort of like fan experience journey that you want to reminisce about oh well, i'm a huge madonna fan i have been okay since that's that's one I have not heard. That's I didn't even know that Madonna had a fandom in the sense that I mean, obviously I know Madonna has fans, <laughs> but uh, what's that? What's that like? Is there a is there like okay? Is there a fan community for Madonna in the same way that there's a fan community for like Star Wars or like pro wrestling or like K-pop bands? Or yes, absolutely, yes. And I mean, we mostly lived sort of from like around 1998. Until like about, I don't know, like maybe 2000 and what do I want to say? Like 2010. Uh, it was mostly on like message boards and stuff like that. You know, like UBB, that kind of thing. I mean, now it's a little bit more scattered. It's mostly like on Twitter and Facebook where you're going to find the Madonna fans. Um, not very much Reddit, actually. Although she did do a great AMA, a great Reddit AMA that you should check out if you ever have a minute. Um, yeah, so that's mostly where the Madonna fans are. I mean, and it's probably because, like, we skew a bit older now that we're all on Facebook, you know, which is, like, where the old people are. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and I was a moderator of a Madonna message board, you know, back in the early 2000s. And, um, yeah, we just had a great time. There was a lot of us on LiveJournal. I met my wife in a LiveJournal community for Madonna fans. That's so interesting. Is there deep Madonna lore? Is there a Madonna, like, what, I'm just curious, because, like, most most of the fandoms I have interacted with have, like, a, a fundamental story element, even if it's not, uh, like, traditionally a storytelling medium. Like, mm. pro wrestling was an example I gave, you know, mm. and, like, they use the quote unquote sport i say quote i know wrestling yes. is a sport but in this <laughs> yes. case it's not it's not the sport wrestling it's yes. it's the show wrestling yes um they use this medium to tell some pretty elaborate stories is there like madonna backstories that are like told through her music videos what is the what is the foundation foundational text of the madonna fandom oh my gosh well actually i would probably say that it's the erotica album and and the sex book, because those came out right around like right around the time that a lot of people were getting access to the Internet. And so there were mm. people that, you know, like put the book up online and, you know, there were sites where you could go and like read it online if you couldn't buy your own copy, you know, because copies were hard to get a hold of. Um, there's um, like a huge Madonna remixing, like remixer community as well. Mm you know, like people on SoundCloud that have like huge repositories of like fan-made remixes. Like we're just like 
all over the internet. Like it's so wild. Um, it's also, so there was there was a couple of news sites. There was a Madonna Licious run by a woman named Claire in the UK, and she became so famous among Madonna fans that Madonna would actually like single her out at concerts and like, you know, if she was like throwing like a t shirt or whatever off the stage, like she threw it to Claire. Um, our other friend, Teddy, you know, he ran a, a Madonna news site called Madonna Rama for a really long time. And now he has a very popular podcast called Inside the Groove, where every week he chooses a different Madonna song and he breaks it down and he talks, he plays like the, the multi-track of it. And he'll talk about, you know, the story behind like how the producer was chosen and what it was like recording it. And like, you know, if there are different alternate versions and that kind of thing and so and occasionally he'll get into like the meaning behind the lyrics and stuff like that um and then there's these two guys that have a podcast called the mlvc podcast that's all about madonna yeah so that is super interesting that would never have occurred to me that there obviously like i said i know there are madonna fans she's hugely popular like she you know she has made a ton of music and she's like she's iconic you know but Like, it just did not, it did not occur to me that there were these, like, fan communities for her in the same way that there are fan communities for, like, story television shows. Oh, yeah, like, like everybody knows each other. Like, everyone knows Cat, like, Cat, who we call Madonna Cat. She, like, she moved to L.A. and, like, she's, like, got this great life. You know, she's, like, this gorgeous blonde. Yeah, like, the Madonna fandom has, like, famous, has, like, big name fan yeah. yeah yeah israel who like goes to all of her concerts and she like gives him shout outs billy yeah like you know and some of them i've met like some of them i met at the rebel heart tour um there's this other guy named daniel and he's i think i, I can't I, I don't know if he's got a knighthood yet but he's on his way he's a, an american lawyer who moved to england and he practices law and he does all this human rights work and yeah it's like there's all kinds of like cool glamorous people <laughs> that are like bnfs in the madonna fandom that you get to meet through online communities you know and then we all see each other at concerts that's cool yeah i remember um, when i when i went to see madonna in um in quebec city uh billy was there and she was like she had a conversation with him during the show if you listen to bootlegs you can i think he was he wanted her to sing who's that girl he kept requesting who's that girl and she was like i can't hear you billy <laughs> 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 oh, that's wild yeah. um, uh, are there any uh, fan fictions so I've I sort of expanded this fan fictions or any other media that you would like to uh, recommend <sighs> So I know you many. have a long. I know you have a long list. I know you like you, you said you have a whole list on your Twitter. But are there any specifically you want to shout out here, and then I will include them in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Let's let's do this. Okay. Okay. So there's. I have a couple, um, that are really, yeah, like really meaningful to me. Um. So one of them is by Denzer who is my best friend in fandom. She and I are like two peas in a pod. And um, it's called The Breath We Took When We First Met. You're writing this down? <laughs> I'm going to, no, I'm going to write it down when I listen <laughs> to the episode to edit. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Um, if I type, it'll just make background noise. So I'm, it's all I, good. I just, it's I edit good. it. Yep. It's it's pretty short. It's not even 2000 words long. But it's very sweet. It's canon verse Raylo and it's just like just very concentrated with all the good stuff, you know, when you think of Raylo. <laughs> um another one is my favorite author of all time is Quam Quam 20. And she's very prolific. Um, and she is writing this epic right now. So this is, if you don't mind spicy, it's very, very, oh no, we very... love, we love horny nonsense on this <clears throat> podcast. Okay. It's very, 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 very spicy. And it's called want something done right. And in this fic, um, uh, it takes place in canon verse. So it's not an AU. 
Um, so Kylo asks the Knights of Ren to hunt Rey down and kill her because he's too cowardly to do it himself. And so each one of them comes to her and things don't really go the way Kylo planned. <laughs> um, and it's got a alternate ending um, called Wanted Deadly Things. Um, so you can read them sort of as companion pieces to each other. So you should read Want Something Done Right first and then try reading Wanted Deadly Things, which instead of ending up with uh, Ray and Kylo together at the end, um, Ray gets tired of waiting for Kylo to come to her and decides that he's never going to and he's just a coward and her heart is broken so she infiltrates his ship and steals the knights for herself and goes dark very spicy you say very spicy <laughs> yes oh it's incredible yes it is very spicy. i mean it's all in the tags so you know there won't be anything unexpected don't worry about sure. that love that love love when people tag stuff love that Quan oh raylo community is huge on that like we put content warnings on tweets like everything everything it's we're very 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 particular about it um and there's a lot of awareness in the fandom about like the importance of tagging and of like you know um, advising people of potential triggers and stuff like that. Um, I was just going to say that is good, especially considering like people seem to uh, be aware of and embrace the fact that, you know, it is a ship with some dark themes. So I think it's good that they have like uh, been really conscientious of their, their tagging and their warnings and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Um, and then, uh, What's the last one I, I want to recommend? Um, let's do... So there's a medieval AU that's being written right now called One Above All by Aqua Wolf Girl. Um, that is just so beautiful and is a really great exploration of what the relationship with Ray and Ben could be if he was a bit more willing to set aside his Kylo persona. and be vulnerable love a medieval au love high fantasy cannot get enough of it so it's also very feminist it's feminist <laughs> as fuck <laughs> i don't specifically seek out feminist uh uh fan fiction i'm mostly seeking out horny fan fiction most of the time but that's certainly a nice bonus <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's one of my favorites. I'm subscribed to it, and every time there's an update, I go wild. Uh, all right, I think that's about where we're gonna wrap up. Anything? Any last things you want to shout out? Any final words? Any last thing you want to plug? Uh, any other projects you've got going on? Anything like that? Well, I'm about to, in October, I'm going to be publishing a piece for the final edition of the Real of Fan Fiction Anthology. It's wrapping up after five years. So I'm really looking forward to that. Please go to my AO3 page, Red Rose White. And if you think you want to read about space wizards doing it, you know, you just subscribe <laughs> to me. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Um, and obviously, you know, please join us on YouTube, 1030 uh, Eastern Time, every Friday night for Pink Milk After Dark. If you want to have, you know, a cool, funny, queer friendly conversation about Star Wars, um, you know, even if you're just a casual fan, we love casual fans. We are some of sometimes we are casual fans. Anyone who watches one of our trivia episodes will understand that to an extent we are all casual fans. We're not going to be winning the Dragon Con trivia contest anytime soon. So mm, <laughs> there is I don't very believe low... in I don't believe in uh, professional fans. Every fan is a casual fan. So chill out. Out, chill out, <laughs> Mr. Star Wars likers. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no, like I said, we're fun and we're queer friendly. So please come and join us on the channel. You can find us at youtube.com slash C slash podcast. So yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Hutzleia, H-U-T-T-S-L-E-I-A. Ship who you want. All ships are valid. I agree. That's a good that's a good closer. Thank you so much for being on my silly podcast about fan fiction. I enjoyed very much learning about 
the the Raylo stuff, <laughs> being that I have had minimal interaction with this so far. It's very interesting, and I do think Raylos are extremely unfairly maligned, and that people need to just chill out. <laughs> yeah, can please can people please just chill? We don't need everyone to become one of us. We just want people to chill out and just let us have yeah. our fun. That's it's all okay we want. To like, it's okay <laughs> to like different things. That's why there's more than one thing. If everybody <laughs> liked the same thing, there would only be one thing. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. It has been a great time. Fan Fiction is Good, actually, is part of Where They May Radio, a small family of podcasters just doing our best. You can keep up with Fanfiction is Good actually on Twitter at fanficisgoodpod, and you can reach Evan via email at fanficisgood at gmail.com. For bonus content, including bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash WTM radio. Where they may radio.